Hey, what's up, everybody? Thanks for listening. Man, one of my favorite parts of coming into a new week is you just feel refreshed, especially for me in prayer. I pray a week or a month at a time, but a new week is a new place to plant my faith. Um, expect to see God do something by the end of the week. So it's going to be a good one. The month of May, we're going to finish it out strong in Jesus' name. Today, I want to talk about one of the uh, lesser talked about promises of God. You know, one of the uh, amazing parts about being a Christian is that the Bible is full of promises for us. We have a covenant with the Most High God and there's promises. You know, there's promises of, you know, when you're born again, we have a hope waiting for us in heaven. We have a, uh, uh, we have a Holy Spirit who indwells our hearts. We're um, promised uh, many things that whatever we put our hand to will prosper. There's things in the Bible that God promises us, and it's the benefits of being a Christian. One of the le- uh, lesser talked about promises is the promise of suffering for Christ. So we're going to talk about suffering a little bit today. You know, there's a time in my life when um, uh, I came out of a relationship and I, I got back, you know, my place. I was like really seeking the Lord because it was kind of just, you know, things had been, I'd been in a place of confusion, not sure what the Lord had wanted me to do. But I remember um, coming out of that relationship and um, really humbling myself before the Lord and just saying, Lord, I just, I don't want anything in my life that's not of you. I want your perfect will for my life. And it was really a time of like, I felt like I got born again, again, if anyone could understand what I'm saying, but it was like this born again. And I started to just like kind of strip myself of everything that I felt maybe would even slightly hinder my relationship with the Lord. I deleted all my old music, you know, any worldly music that I had, I deleted it. And I said, I'm not, I wouldn't even leave the house. This was back when I lived with my mom. I was there and um, I would just stay. And thankfully my, I'd come out of my heavy work season. And so I had some time off and I would stay home and I would just read the Bible like all day long. Right. That was just what I did. I was like, I'm not even going to the movie theater unless the Lord tells me I need to go to the movie theater. I'm just pressing into the Lord because I got to a place of like, man, the only thing that works in my life is God having his way. But it was a time where the Lord began to speak to me in two of the main themes. One of the main themes, there were really two main themes, but one of the main themes that the Lord started to show me in his word was that suffering was promised to me as a believer. And it kind of caught me off guard that that would be one of the things that he showed me. But I know he doesn't show people things for no reason, but it's one of the, um, it's one of the promises we have as believers. So I'm going to read a couple of scriptures to you. Matthew 5, 10. Um, well, let me read 2 Timothy 3, 12 says, in fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Say that with me. Say will be persecuted. So that's to say that you as a Christian will, not might, will at some point or at many points in your life suffer for being a Christian. The Matthew 5.10 says, Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That again shows us, blessed the people who are persecuted inherit the kingdom of God. That goes to say that people who aren't persecuted aren't Christians and don't inherit the kingdom of God. You know, the truth is for us, persecution really only comes when we stand up for what we believe in. Um, I think it's interesting when you can kind of rope these things together. But if persecuted is promised and persecution will come when you stand up for something, stand up for your belief, then it goes to say that if persecution only comes when you stand up, you think of sometimes these school shootings, right, that happen. And there's people that the school shooter comes in and says, if anyone's a Christian, who in here is a Christian? And, And then there's many people who don't 
you know, raise their hand. But then the ones that do are the ones who sometimes, I mean, Com- Columbine, there was, I think, one or two people who that was their story. Is anyone in here a Christian? And a girl stands up and says, I'm a Christian. And she gets shot and her life is taken from her. You know, there are probably other people in that room who were at church that last Sunday, but they chose not to stand up because the pressure was too much. And so as a Christian, it's promised you that you will suffer persecutions. The good thing, um, uh, to kind of take a step back, what it also says is that if you're not willing to stand up, then you won't be persecuted. But then by the same math that we do there, if you're not willing to stand up, you're not really a Christian because people who believe it actually believe it. You know, if you have so many people saying that there's a flat earth and you're like, man, are you, are you, are you serious? Of course it's a round earth. I'm going to stand up for it. Right. It's like people with their, are more opinionated about their sports team than their Christianity. And it's like such a um, devilish thing that comes in. I've heard people say, yeah, I love Jesus, but I don't tell any, I don't really share the gospel because I don't want to push my religion on them. It's like you can't say you love Jesus and not tell other people about him. It actually can't happen because by what we call the Great Commission, God, Jesus gave us the some of the most important uh, advice. This wasn't the small commission. This wasn't the small commandment. This was saying, this is the greatest of all commissions and commandments I can give you. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. And then the, and then the way that's expressed is go into all the world and preach the gospel. So someone who says, I love Jesus is someone who's saying, I'm obeying Jesus. And who's someone who's saying, I have to tell people about Jesus. There's no two ways around it. So I know that might come across as harsh because some people are raised in churches where there's no outreach. The past, the preachers don't push you, but the preacher's not, it'd be like a preacher who doesn't give altar calls, you know? Imagine going through church. You hear people who, I went to church until I was 35. I got born again at 35, but I've been raised in church. I've been there every Sunday, but it was just what we did as a family, right? A preacher who doesn't give altar calls is, is letting people not live as Christians, right? In the same way, p- churches that don't push people and even make it uncomfortable for people to get out there and be like, hey, let's, let's go share our faith because this is part of the gospel. But people, it, it'll, the persecution will only come to people who stand up to it. So uh, when it comes to persecution, a couple things, I wanted you to see this. This was the scripture that really got me wanting to talk about this. But first of all, understanding that God's view of persecution is different from ours. You know, uh, time makes a big difference. People look at time. The Bible talks about how people will say, uh, they'll mock and they'll say, you know, ever since the beginning of the world was, things have been the same. You know, God's not coming back. You talk about Jesus returning, but none of this is happening. Nothing's changed. And And they'll say, this is, you know, all of what you're talking about as a Christian, you're living for this day when this return's going to happen, you're going to go to heaven, but none of this is evident. And they said that's because they don't consider that with the Lord a thousand years is a day and that the Lord's being patient so more people can be saved. So time is really one of the biggest perspective changers. If you, um, if you have a limited time left, if you say, hey, we're going to Disney World, this is the last time I'm ever going to Disney World, and there's a roller coaster you want to get on, you all of a sudden are in a rush and there's pressure to get this done. If you know I've got a pass for a year and I'll be able to come here as much as I like, you know if I don't make it this time, it's no big deal, I'll catch it next time. So for a lot of people, the, the, the understanding of having an eternal perspective makes all the difference in the way that you view persecutions. There's a story in the New Testament, in the book of Acts, of uh, I think it's Peter, um, uh, and, um, one of the other, uh, apostles who get persecuted, they get, you know, um, beat up for their, uh, 
for, for uh, whipped or whatever for their believing or preaching the word, and they go out of their rejoicing, counting it joyful that they could suffer the same persecutions. How is it that someone can get beat up and physically hurt and leave excited? It's because they understood that there was, maybe it was painful on this side of eternity, but in just a little bit of time from now that these persecutions were going to actually be producing something for them in heaven. So 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and I'm going to read from the Amplified, uh, verse 16. Therefore, we do not become discouraged, utterly spiritless, exhausted, and wearied out through fear. Though our outer man is progressively decaying and wasting away, yet our inner man is being uh, progressively renewed day after day. Verse 17, I love this. For our light momentary affliction, the slight distress of the passing hour. I think this is great that the Lord has Paul say this, because of all people, Paul had a right to say, man, life has been difficult. I don't know. I, I've never been wi- I've never been taken 39 lashes twice or once. I've never taken one lash for being a Christian. I've never been shipwrecked. I've never spent a night in the deep. You know, he goes through in one of these, uh, one of these chapters just all that he's gone through as a servant of God and as, as, an, as an apostle. And he says, he calls it all the light, the slight distress of the passing hour is ever more and more abundantly preparing and producing and achieving for us an everlasting weight of glory beyond all measure, excessively surpassing all comparisons and all calculations, a vast and transcendent glory and blessedness never to cease. I really like this because it actually shows you how you're supposed to testify. I see too many testimonies where people spend seven minutes about talking about what they came out of in the world. And the devil did this to me, and I was in this, and I was this, and doing this, and this is wrong with my body, and and seven minutes, and then the last 10 seconds, they're like, but the Lord saved me, and he healed me, and I'm a Christian now. And that's the whole of their testimony. Like, Paul is sitting here, and all he says is slight distress of the passing hour, and then he takes... um, uh, some time here. It's obviously translated and amplified. It's expounded upon, but that shows us spend more time talking about what the Lord did for you and less time about talking about what the devil did for you. Verse 18, since we consider and look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen for the things that are visible or temporal, brief and fleeting. There we're talking about time again, but the things that are invisible are deathless and everlasting. You know, on this side of eternity, it can be difficult to see it, but suffering for Christ is actually producing something in us on this earth that is such a benefit to us, as well as it's producing an an everlasting weight of glory. You know, it's really the comparison of, I don't want an easy Christian life here on this earth. I think too many people are looking for things to be easy for them. We want our job to be easy. We want the money to come in abundantly. We want the work to be easy. We want marriage to be easy. We want raising children to be easy. We want our Christianity to be easy. We want to make it into heaven easily. And we just want it to be good. Our our minds try to make us resist uncomfortable things. But when you decide, you know what? I'm not looking for it to be easy. I'm looking to have a reward on the other side of eternity. If I can choose now between an easy Christian life and low reward or a difficult Christian life and and having to lean into the grace of God and being perplexed, pressed on every side, but not abandoned, and then having an everlasting weight of glory, something that's produced for us, I would rather have it be more difficult than easier if it's going to mean greater reward in heaven. There's a guy that I listen to that I like, Jordan Peterson, and he says, he says, the greater responsibility you're willing to accept in your life, the richer your life will be. 
He says, meaning comes from responsibility. And that word responsibility, I really like, because I, I, if you were going to give me, you know, describe love, uh, characteristics of love in, you know, so many words, I would choose the word responsibility as one of the first words, because love is ultimately your responsibility for someone else. It's you accepting responsibility. As a husband, I've accepted responsibility for my wife. I've accepted responsibility that I'm the one to care for her, nourish her, provide for her. I've, I've said before God, God, I accept my responsibility as a husband that, you're by, that the word tells me to be. And I'm choosing, I'm manning up to do this. And so for us as Christians, there's a manning up that goes in to our walk with God. And so for too many people, they're looking for uh, how easy can this be rather than saying, how worthwhile can I make this? How do I get, uh, increase my rewards in heaven? How do I get a, a, a greater reward on the other side? Paul could look at it and say, look, I understand, it's, but I've, I've, I've counted the cost. And the truth is there's going to be everlasting weight of glory and blessedness never to cease. And so I'm willing to suffer these things because it's just a slight distress. You know, you look at pain. You, people talk about childbirth. I'm really grateful that I'll never have to experience, you know, what, what most women experience during childbirth, but that pain. But um, if you ask them, was it worth it? It's always worth it. Some of the most difficult times for me were in business and going through things and hardships, but I don't remember any of the pain, but there's the reward. There's the better person that I've become out of it. You know, I don't remember the pain from digging in and pushing while I was running, but I remember what it's made me. I know what it's made me. I can see the fruit of it in my life. And so know that just as you're called to live for Christ, you're also called to suffer for him. When you're prepared that there will come a day where you'll have the decision to stand up for what you believe or sit down for it. And to know that when you do stand up, you're storing up treasure in heaven for yourself. You're storing up reward, rewards. You're actually becoming a better Christian for it. I love this one verse here, and I'm going to read it to you as we close out. 1 Peter 4, verse 1, it says, So then, since Christ suffered physical pain, you must arm yourselves with the same attitude that he had and be ready to suffer too. For if you have suffered physically for Christ, you have finished with sin. Man, be ready to suffer, he says. And that's why I did this podcast on this subject today, because who wants to talk about the promise of suffering? But you need to be ready. How do you get ready? You get prepared. You study. How do you get ready for a test? You study. Man, with an expectation, I'm ready for this to come, that you're not caught off guard for an opportunity to stand up for what you believe in, and then you don't do it. Know that the day is coming. Know that the time is coming when you'll be called on to stand up for what you believe. Man, there's people. How come you share the gospel with those people? I've had people who I shared the gospel with very angry that I shared the gospel with them. Yell at you angry. Man, get out of here. I don't want to hear it, right? People who who will attack you on, on different subjects. Man, you, you believe in that prosperity gospel. Yeah, no, I mean, I believe in the gospel. And I believe he said, beloved, I wish above all things that you would prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. You're going to have to stand up for this and, and there will be persecution for it, but, be, but being ready for that time. And then the second half of this verse, he says, because he, the King James says, because he who has suffered has ceased from sin. The truth is, if you're, if you're 
conscious of the fact and ready to suffer for Christ and participating in the sufferings of Christ, you're not living in sin. People who live in sin really haven't engaged in real Christianity yet. People who are living in habitual sin really haven't suffered enough. You, being Putting yourself in a place where you're actually not just saying, I believe it, I'm not going to tell anybody, but I believe it, I'm going to stand up for it, I'm ready and willing to suffer for it, I want to suffer for it, because uh, God said that that would be one of the characteristics of being a Christian. And I'm going to end with this. That's why our... Our, our fasting life is such an important thing. I'm not saying fasting is a persecution because it's not, but fasting, fasting is a suffering for your body. Prayer is a joy for your spirit, but fasting is a suffering for your body. And so I believe you can voluntarily enter into the sufferings of Christ by putting your flesh under. Man, a day, the first day I ever fasted, maybe not the first, but one of the first I'd fasted in a long time, my mind was freaking out. Eight o'clock in the morning, ready to like, are you kidding me? You're going to go a whole day without eating? Like you tell someone that. I mean, not supposed to tell them on the day of, but like, I remember talking to a medical doctor and he was like, you know, asking me about what was going on. I'm like, yeah, I, you know, I run twice a week. I do this. And then there's a day that I don't eat. And he's like, what do you mean? I'm like, I fast. He's like, tell me about that. I'm like, I do water and a little bit of coffee. He's like, you don't do any food the whole day. And I'm like, no, yeah, the whole day. And he's like, looked at me sideways. And I'm like, for spiritual reasons. He's like, whoa, okay. That's crazy. Okay. And people like, that's not a normal thing, right? There's people who've never missed a meal in their entire life and you can tell or their snack time, but choosing to do it. So um, be mindful. I encourage you to pull up and look at the word persecution, look at suffering, take a look at it, see God's perspective of it. God has a plan for you. And actually part of that plan is that there would be suffering and persecution, but it's for your own good and it's going to be joyful. You guys are awesome. Thanks for listening. Bless you. Have a great week.